Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Agency Hacker. I'm Lance Johnson. I'm one of the coaches here at Agency Hacker, and I'm here today with Katie Love, who's the founder and CEO of Love Social Media. Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lance. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm really excited to hear more, well, hear less about the weather because it's so warm in Florida right now and so cold in Minnesota. I'm like, it's October. It shouldn't be this cold. I won't rub it in. Yeah, you were very, very, very <laughs> gracious in, you know, not reminding me that I live in the wrong state. But And we pay state income tax. It's like, what? why are we here? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That has been a huge difference for me moving. I moved from, you know, very similar story to so many people in the East. Northeast during COVID, I fled for sunshine and the state income test. I was like, wow, why am I, why didn't I start a business here to begin with? I know. I know. I was like, this is, yeah, this is maybe, well, we can have a tax consulting episode where you sell us on the benefits of Florida and all of us come and be your neighbors. So that'll be the the next episode. Tell us a little bit about love social media and what you all do. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a social media agency. We're an all-female team. We work with female business owners and entrepreneurs. So that is really our niche. Been around since 2017. I started as an investigative reporter traveling around the country for NBC News. Yes. And what I quickly saw was the writing on the wall in terms of how media was being consumed. And I was really interested in how people were learning about what was happening in the world before our 5 and 6 p.m. newscast and instead on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. But also I was really dealing with a lot of sexism in the, in the industry. Mm. You know, my husband and I were both growing up at the same time together. That's how we met as journalists. And he was being called in for his writing style and his storytelling. And I was being called in for my shade of lipstick and my dresses not being tight enough. Yes. Welcome wow. to broadcast news. And so when I started Love Social Media, I really wanted it to be a place for women to feel like they could move up in their careers, also have a family if they wanted to, be focused on the work they were creating versus how they looked. And it's just been, um, I've learned a lot over the last six years, and I'm excited to share more with you and your community. Wow, that is a crazy story where I think that like, you know, some things are just so ingrained in the system that like, from the outside, you have no idea that it happens. I don't, true confession, I don't watch a ton of news, but you, it just because you were under the age of 60 years old. So, yeah, of funny. course, you don't watch local news. <laughs> that's, that's <pretty laughs> yeah, my, my wife got the newspaper. They just, you know, they just deliver free newspapers. It's like, you know, if you have to give it away for free, there's a struggle here. But yes. they deliver it and she, it was like this nostalgic moment where she's like, oh, I remember my parents did this and it was so nice on Sundays. And I thought that's not a good sign for a business when you're running on nostalgia rather than like a deep demand. Right. 100%. It's, yeah. The world has totally changed since I first decided I wanted a broadcast journalism degree. So with that progression, what year did you start your agency? Right. What year were you like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. So 
I went to, my husband was an investigative journalist in Pittsburgh, and I had just covered the 2016 presidential election between Trump and Clinton. And I was ready to say goodbye after covering that election. (laughs) So I officially started my business in January of 2017. Oh, exciting. And did you go full-time right away? Were you all in or was it like, I'm going to do a part-time thing and then move gradually? Yeah. So I worked as a video editor part-time. And then the other, I had a few anchors who their contract was being renewed. They were getting a lot of pressure to grow their followings on Instagram and Facebook. So for taking them Uh... as clients knowing the world and the pressure that they were living in and created content for them. And as soon as I realized that I got out of the news industry because the the pay is so little and really anchors and reporters were not who I needed to target because they couldn't really afford to pay someone. So I, I learned a lot, but I need to switch my strategy. So I was living at Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh at the time and went down this main street where there were several businesses and one in particular was a coffee shop. I had researched their Instagram, their Facebook. I had these bullet points written down of why, you know, the holes in the market that they were filling and their, uh, the things that I thought that they could shine with as a coffee shop. And so I went in, I asked to speak to the manager and I said, let me do your social media for free. I'll do it for three months. I just want to prove myself. It looks like you're not posting consistently. You're not posting any video at all. And I had learned a lot about video editing and he said, okay, well, you know, you've got nothing to lose if you're getting three months of free service. And that's kind of how I started because what I've learned is getting that first client is hard because once, once you have one client that you're able to show a track history of, it's easier. But the other way I really grew my business at the beginning when everyone was like, well, what are you doing? You're this reporter. Why Why are you an expert in social media management? Was put a lot of emphasis into growing my own Instagram channel. So Katie Love Social became a priority. And I started creating nonstop video content, creating story content, and engaging with the community I would say I have a modest following now of about 35,000 followers of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> <laughs> and it allowed me to show cl- prospective clients that I was able to do it for myself. Yeah. And so here's how I can do it for you. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I felt like I had a similar kind of slog with like when I started Agency Hacker, right? Because I people go, well, why can you do this thing? You're like, I grew an agency from zero to three million. And so like you learn something along the way and it's way easier when you can point to the thing that you did for yourself instead of having to be like, well, trust me, like, just trust me. I'm, I'm really going to be good at this. Like, I, 100%. Yeah. The proof is in you doing it for yourself. Yeah. I'm curious about the followers you have and like Katie loves social media. Is that focused more on um, businesses followers? Because I think a lot of like, if you have a ton of followers, but they're not your target market, it's not super useful. I imagine your audience might have been harder to get, but so valuable like when you can get business owners. 
Yeah, absolutely. So at the beginning, my strategy was highlighting three different female business owners a week. Well, that's cool. And yeah, so it'd be female founder Fridays. Oh, and hard. I wouldn't ask the founders for anything other than a couple of pictures or videos. And I would create essentially a one minute video. It was sort of before influence influencing became huge, but it was almost like me creating a piece of video as an influencer. I would yeah. post it on my channel. I would tag them. And then the businesses would see that not only could I produce a video, but I, that it was a piece of content that they then wanted to reuse. So then I started getting more female founders who would submit themselves for me creating a highlight Instagram video for them. Ah. So I started to grow the, the business aspect of it. And, and I would say my following has really changed over the years as I have changed as an agency mm -hmm. owner. So while I started with female business owners who were like me, they had a business and maybe only had one or two employees, as my agency grew, I started to attract other people that had larger businesses. Yeah. And they became my target audience. But then also as I became a mom, that also changed the demographics of who was following me. And while not all the moms who follow me have a business, some of them aspire to be a business owner. Mm. So I've had some moms who say, I, it, I've been following you for five years and I finally took the leap. I quit my full-time job. I'm starting the company that I dreamed of doing and now I can afford you. And I want to hire you as a social media manager. So yeah, my, I, I'd still say about 80% of my leads for my agency come from Katie Love Social. Wow, that's great. And just taking a step back, it sounds like there's a few different um, client types that you work with, right? The, the I think of the people who are like uh, new to the opportunity, right? Where there are people who they're, they're kickstarting, they're like getting their fresh start. Then you have people that are the maybe solopreneur to like couple employees and then the established business, maybe we could call it, that's a few more employees. And do you have a split that, because those are very different demographics, right? Like the experience level and even the budget level, right? The an expensive when in year one, I would have looked at very differently than yeah, now. And I imagine you're the same, right? Where you're like a new business when it's just you, you don't have a lot of budget. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's interesting because as my agency has grown, so have the clients that I take on and my clients almost reflect the same growth that I have. Mm. So I would say on average, we're really not working with bus businesses that have, they've at least been in business like mine five or six years. Yeah. And those people that I built my following off of, I, in the last year realized that you know, now I have a team of 10 and I can't, even though that I, I'm so passionate about helping these single female business owners, given that I now have to pay other people, the prices that they can afford no longer work with me. So we've, we've created other offerings for them. So we have a, an audit where we pr pretty much provide them a strategy and a PDF. And yeah. it's something that they feel like, okay, I can make this commitment one time. I can't make this on a monthly retainer. Yeah. And so we've, we've started to, you know, still offer that. And then I've 
built up a list of referrals of people who it's it's it don't it sounds strange to give away business, but now we're at the <laughs> point where we are doing that. I totally get it though, because it's like deciding. I remember when we made a price switch and we were like, you know what? We're we're just not taking projects under thirty thousand. They're just not doing it because it's gonna be too distracting. And there's a temptation, like it just takes up so much time, right? For way lower margin, the work quality can't be as good because you don't have as much time. And it felt weird, but there was actually somebody who worked with us that started their own studio and they do the exact same thing we do on a little bit lower quality level. And we just refer to them. And it's a, it was a bizarre thing for me too. I can really appreciate that. And question, did you take a cut from referring business? Yes, we do. Yeah. So it'd be like, uh, I think it's 10%, but honestly, I don't like, we don't keep track of it. I don't know. I'm sure that like they deliver everything they said we're going to deliver, but it's, it's just like the distraction. Even if we didn't get a fee, I'd probably still just refer it over. Yeah. I think that that's something I have been struggling with is I have had larger agencies over the course of me building mine refer me business and then take 15% every month for the first year. And at the time it felt big. It felt big to give a chunk, but I understood that I wouldn't have been given that opportunity if it wasn't for the referring agency. So now that I'm in the position where I'm the referring agency, I almost feel cutthroat or like a shark to say, okay, but if you land this, you're going to give me 10%. It feels I, I just, I'm still struggling with it. That's fair. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong on it, but what I would say is like we, it, there's some cost to generate that opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. For you, it was building a social media follow following has like a, it's an illegible cost, right? Like if you like, okay, yeah, I didn't spend 200 bucks today to get that appointment, but like all of the time effort, stuff money that you put into building the social media following like that, it wasn't free and so it, it's not i think of it kind of like uh selling your brother-in-law a car or something where it's not like you want to be cut through it with your brother-in-law but you're like well, there really was a cost to this car and if if i'm gonna give it to you then like i have to be ready to take the fifteen thousand dollar hit or whatever and i feel like for us when we refer the lead if it closes with the close rate we don't make, we don't break even on our lead generation costs. Um, but at least we got something for one of the leads that it, it's like, and honestly, it's so negligible. I imagine for you too, like you refer a small amount of business. And if you got the contract was too small for you anyway. And so, so it's like, I don't know, we got 200 bucks and we sent 10 leads. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that's, not really any money, so. Right, right. It's true. It's true, but that's a very interesting way of looking at it. Thank you. That's, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it, and I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on it. And there's, It's really whatever works best for you. But I wanted to dive in a little bit of what you all do for social media management because there's a lot of, when there's a social media agency, sometimes it's like we do the content creative and media buying. Sometimes it's content creative. Sometimes it's only media buying. Like, where do you guys fall on the the setup? I would say that we are very good in our 
um, our place that we love to stay within is for organic content creation. Uh And that's who we are serving a lot of businesses who don't have the time to create the reels that they need to feed the algorithm, to gain followers and have sales. And that's something that we have been able to do in a way that's more affordable than a a business doing a massive photo shoot that's 20 or 30 grand. And a a lot of the people that I've hired are content creators themselves. So shooting a quick 10 second video with a product is not as daunting as it might be for other people. So we, I always say that we have three pillars to our approach, which is strategy, content, and community management. And that's what we're doing for 30 plus clients every day is organic social. However, we do also offer media buying and even what we do more often than media buying is influencer management because it comes so uh, hand in hand yeah. with creating content. So those are our, our three big services is organic paid and influencer management. That's neat. And what's been the evolution of those services? Because you started out and it sounded like it was organic content creation exclusively or, and it probably wasn't for reels because I don't think reels existed then. Right. Like what? Right. So that included a lot of local clients in Pittsburgh, me taking my camera and my first investment in my business was a nice camera and shooting photos. <laughs> and and we were still creating videos, but it was for IGTV or YouTube. It wasn't for the reels and TikTok that it is now. And we also were providing consistency for the business owners who would go months without posting or letting their audience know what was going on. So that was the big thing that we were doing. We're, we're highly organized. We create a beautiful content calendar where you know exactly what's being posted and when, all the copy, the researched hashtags. And it might sound simple, but a lot of business owners really just need that streamlined organizational process where they can just take one thing off their plate. But then as we started to grow and my team started to grow, these businesses were asking me for other things. They would say, I don't want to go to another agency for media buying or for influencer marketing. I want to have it. I want to go to one person for it. And so that's when I had to think about how to, you know, once you, for me, once I hit that first $100,000, which I never thought I'd be able to have that salary coming for news and industry I worked in for eight years and my cap was (laughs) (laughs) $52,000. And then quickly I had, you know, was making a hundred thousand, but there was a cap of how many clients I personally could take on. Yeah. Right. So while I was happy with my new six figure salary, I have always had aspirations to make more and do more, but I, the next step became building a team. Yeah. And I think that's always like a cool step to see an agency owner get to, right? Because we all hit some breaking point where you're like, I can't be a consultant. I can't be the one that does this deliverable every single time because I just don't have the time or the leverage. What did your role morph into today? Like, Are you doing mostly sales or are you doing most of the content creation for the marketing or what's your role now? So about a year ago, I had the oper- I would say an opportunity to look at what I really wanted to do and what brought me joy. And the the answer is I really enjoy content creation. Mm. However, 
what I realized is that the place that I, that made my business the most money was me being on every discovery and sales call. Yeah. Because no one is going to sell my business (laughs) the way I do. And I had other, I brought other people in to try to do the sales calls, even if they would do the discovery and then vet them that they had the pricing and were an ideal fit. We weren't closing as many clients and I just, I didn't have a, I had a hard time finding that person who was, who could close. And so in the last year I was able to bring on a um, head, head of content and she manages our team while I focus on all inbound inquiries. And so I will work with a client, set up their strategy, and then it gets handed off to an account manager. That makes sense. So you're like, okay, highest leverage, right? There's part of it that brings you joy. And there's part that's just like, this is too high leverage to walk away from. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's a, it's sort of a a balance. And then, you know, I try to spend one time a week with each of our account managers where we're doing a brainstorming session and I'm saying, okay, let's look at the creative. And I try to give them, you know, 30 minutes where I'm just spitballing ideas and giving them, um, the part of myself that I really enjoy doing mm. thing I can do every single day. It is always interesting to see where you're like, okay, there's, uh, we get to design our businesses and we get to, to some degree, choose what we want to work on, but there's a reality. It's like, well, I might have to work on this piece a little longer than I wanted to just because, I, I, it's too expensive to replace me on this or it's hard to hire someone to do, like, because I, I feel like no one's ever going to do it to the same degree or the same efficacy but it's like eventually we can get to a point where it's like even if they're half as good I can get five times the number of people doing it and it works out but it takes a while to get there so. it takes a long time and I, I even though I love the creative part I was able to I don't want to say easily, but a lot easier. It was a lot easier for me to replace myself in that aspect with other creative people. Why do you think I just had to let it go a little bit? That's true. (laughs) Why do you think that sales is so hard to replace? Because I I feel like this is the common refrain for a lot of founders I talk to. Well, that's good to hear. Um, That's not just me struggling with it. Definitely not. I wonder if it's, I've been in the business for so long. I've heard all types of questions. Yeah. And I think that what I've noticed on when I'm observing sales calls is how my other team members deal with off the wall questions, someone trying to bring the price down. And because they're not the, the one who makes the final decision, they almost don't feel as empowered to say, well, no, these are our prices and to come to be stern and they almost are looking to me for that answer. So I I think I've just struggled with, with people feeling empowered enough to, to um, negotiate the price and come and then come to me with the price that I, that I think I'll be happy with. I can totally appreciate that on a lot of different issues where it's like um, there's a book called scaling up kind of it's it's got some good things you know uh, i wouldn't say i love the whole book but got some good things and it was really convicting where they uh mentioned that oftentimes a business is weakest in an area of the founder's greatest strength and for me 
I like sales wasn't ever my strength. So it was actually much easier for me to replace it because I'm, I'm not that good at sales anyway. And I, it was really freeing to get out of sales. I was like, I don't like doing sales calls. And like, we have a six month sales cycle. Like I'd just rather get out of there and let somebody else do it. So it was, it was just like super simple to get out of because I, I just was like, the business is not going to function if I have to do this. But letting go of marketing was really hard for me. And I'm still like recovering on letting go of marketing. And I, I just, I had to leave for a year was the only way I could like force things to happen. Um, I did a year of mission in Chile because otherwise it's just so hard to let go. Wow. Well, first of all, you're a really good person for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you knew some missionaries, then you would you might rethink that. <laughs> uh, I think it's a really interesting point. The thing is, is that I built so much of my business around me and it is yeah. something I'm working on and trying to pivot around. Yeah. But we, at this point, we do not do outbound marketing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have so I have never done any paid ads, Google paid, nothing. I'm not doing outbound sales or cold emails. All of it is from me creating reels on a consistent basis for my Instagram. Yeah. And then word of mouth. So when people come to us, it's the girl from the video that they've seen. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. So it's a little bit hard when they see the girl on the Instagram on Instagram with the hearts in the background or the pink everywhere. And they're like, wait, who are you? That's not really <laughs> so this year we actually revamped uh, our website and I was really struggling with how do I have a website that feels personal and branded and knowing that the, che- the team is going to change, but still doesn't focus just on me and pictures of me. Yeah. I thought your website was really balanced with that, where it was, I was like, I have to look at in the about section to see who Katie Love is. And I'm not sure who's going to get on this podcast because there's a bunch of different people on there. So good move. Well, oh, good. Well, that took $10,000 and it launched about a month ago. So yeah. I'm, I'm really happy you, uh, you said that. And I just want to, you know, I invested in, in photos of other women and, you know, as the team changes, you just we take more photos and we, we fill them in. And so that's just yeah. something we're, we're trying to do because the, the, the people who come to us are 90% female. And so when they get on our website, it's important that they see other personalities and shapes and sizes and that they see, they can see themselves and one of the women that I've hired. So it's become kind of a, a core part of our brand. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can appreciate what you're saying where, it is a hard transition from you making all the reels, right? Because it's almost like marketing and sales are so linked on in that situation. The marketing is you. So then the sales have to be you too. What is that like your big rock that you're working on right now? Or what's your next step to say, okay, how does, you know, love social media grow? Is it the, we need to find the marketing sales replacement? Is it something else? What are you working on right now? It's a really great question. I think that I, in the last six months, I have been really working on building my team and I've gotten to a place where I'm really happy with the diversity and what we're offering. And so now I am 
working on my next goal and I I'm we're so close to a million in revenue and so I've been they were so close I think we'll hit like 900 or 920 this year and part of but part of me is so so sad that it's so close and the other part is trying to remember okay well we hit 600 last year so we're oh yeah we're we're still growing yeah uh, and I've been really a, a lot of what I'm working on is my self-talk because I've just been so mm. down on myself that I haven't been able to hit this 1 million milestone and you know I wanted to hit it in under five years and why haven't I hit it and you know it's just uh, it's been a little bit of talking myself off the ledge there mm. I don't think you're alone in that one either I think that there's whatever the number is like there's uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dan Sullivan's all of his books but I like his talks a lot and one of the things he has is the gap in the gain I don't know if you've heard this idea no I haven't yeah he talks about how if like you're focused on the gap between you and your goal you're always you're pretty much always down and if you focus on the gain from where you were and where you are today like you grew your business 50%. If you went from 600 to 900, right? Like you're doing something right. Do that for a few years and you're, you're doing Not enough. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, we're all the gal from the greatest showman, right? It's like never enough. Like just, there's no, I get it. I, I like think I resonate with you real deeper than I wish I did because you go, why it's a good life. We have enough in some ways and more than enough in other ways, but it's hard to not have goals and like we're driven people, which is why we started an agency in the first place instead of just chilling. Yes. And it's hard to not. Yes. I, 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 everything you have just said, I also resonate with and I am proud of how, how far I've come. And the other thing that we've done, you know, in the last two years is be selective. Mm. So maybe I could have hit a million, but I also chose to work with clients that I felt were a better match for what we were trying to do. And so I'm, I'm even just thinking about it now as I've turned away some people who do have the budget for us, but I just know in my heart that it's, it's not a fit, whether it's philosophical or I know that I can just tell this client's going to be a major asshole. <laughs> Maybe if I can say that on your podcast, but like it's, imp- it's not the mental health of my team is also important. Yeah, I've watched so many other agencies kind of grind people up and spit them out. And I, I just, I don't want that for the ethos of my team. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like those are decisions that are less legible, right? Like there's this struggle with things that are legible and illegible. And some of the most important things are illegible. You're like, well, my team members like their life and they, you know, find it a joy to work here. Like our, one of our big things is we're like, okay, we have an internal and external mission because yeah, there's a mission for our clients. Then there's a mission for people that work with us and it's, it doesn't directly pay as well, right? The internal mission, you don't see it right away, but gosh, it makes a happier life, right? So I can, yeah. And, it's, and that's important to me. If I, you know, if I think about my goal of what I was set out to do for myself, which was to 
work in an environment where I felt valued for what I was offering and that I didn't feel like if I wanted to become a mother that I would have to take a step back in my career. And now I've been able to do that for nine other women, one in particular who I know would be comfortable with me sharing her story, but has MS. She's in her early 30s and her last job, it was so demanding that her symptoms be, had become a lot worse. She was having trouble walking. And as soon as she made the shift to working for Love Social Media, she's been able to come off of some of her medicine. She's thriving. And, you know, that's not, there's no, I can't equate that to a million dollars, but it still means a lot to me that I'm able to do that for one person. Yeah. I think of it like, you know, depending on everybody's got different philosophies, but if you have an internal perspective, you're like, this is going to make a big difference in somebody's life. That's an eternal being. And yeah, maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not an extra 50 grand in the bank account, but yeah, it's worth doing. So good. I, I would say just like, keep going yeah, on the things that are really important. And I, I feel like sometimes, yeah, the money doesn't follow as quickly or it doesn't scale up to a level, but the life trade-offs I've found at least that like the life trade-offs haven't been worth the extra money or the, I look at some of, I, and sometimes when I'm whining to my wife about it, she's like, but she's like, but you're home a lot and you don't have to travel for work. And like, I, we don't want that executive's life, right? Like that, like, is there anything we want about? And there are people that have are, are extreme success without killing themselves without working a lot. Right. And I think, I think that's like the middle path that we all want, but I sometimes I find myself comparing the people that have made trades that like, I don't want to make. Um, it's hard not to, right? It's really hard. The, not to. the comparison game is, is dirty and sticky and hard. And yes, but I, I feel a lot, I feel similar to you in that the, the happy, my happiness level is, is I'm in such a better place where I was, you know, six years ago when I wasn't sleeping and had high anxiety and I wasn't being a good partner to my husband. And now I am a a mom and if she's sick, I can take off work and if she needs me, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like some things are priceless. We're like walking MasterCard commercials. It's like priceless. I just, yeah, I just feel like the not sleeping part. I feel like everything in life is way harder when we're not sleeping. And yeah. Well, do you have kids? Not yet. Okay. Well, then you don't really know what it means to not sleep. (laughs) I've, I've been savoring this time of like, I was like, man, this is wonderful. I sleep a lot and regularly and consistently. (laughs) I was like, this is really a great gig, but hey. Sometimes we do a better thing that's a harder thing, too. Definitely. <laughs> definitely is. So change, worth it. changing gears a little bit, like you've come really far on your journey. What have been some of the places you learned and some of the mentors or resources or books or videos? or what? I don't know what your main learning style is, but what are some of the resources that have really helped you on this agency journey? Definitely talking to other women in one agency in particular, uh, Social Fly in New York. I was, I, the owners had written a book and oh. then I connected with them over um, Stephanie and Courtney over Instagram. And they have just been really generous with their, their time and sharing mm. what they've learned 
things that I wouldn't be able to read in a book or in a Facebook group. And I think that that has been the most valuable to me. I wasn't someone who had a business background or someone who's going to listen to all the self-help podcasts. And it's just not in me. (laughs) I'm more of a, just tell me, tell me like it is. And so I found value in talking to to other women or any other women that would lend their, uh, you know, give me their time. And I will say that there weren't that many of them. And so now, for instance, just before we got on, I spent about 30 minutes talking to a young woman who's interested in growing her agency. And I just gave her my time because I'm trying to put into the world what I felt like I, I couldn't get. Yeah. And it took me a, a lot longer to get somewhere because I, um, I I struggled to find a mentor until I found Stephanie and Courtney, but that was still like three years in. Um, so yeah, I think, and now it's just about observing, I don't even say other agencies, but other businesses that I find to be successful. Um, and, you know, I watched Sarah Blakely who founded Spanx yeah. and I'm so in awe with her and her growth trajectory. And so I take a lot of inspiration from, from those women. It's really helpful because I do feel like it's easier to, I don't know, get lost and not find the right mentors for you or not find the right people that it's like finding something that works is one thing, but you have to like the way they did it has to work for you too. And that can be a really difficult uh, piece. And it's, it's, I feel like there's one guy who talks about how you can recognize how a person is by their books, right? If you look on their bookshelf, I think if you update it for today, it's like you can recognize them by who they learn from and what overall strategies they're really into just says a lot about how you want to do something. Um, so that's, it's really helpful to have a couple additional, I just looked up social fly and it looks really neat. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're about five to six years ahead of me and have just a, a strong, uh, female empowerment ethos that I am also embodying and they work with a lot of female founded business owners. So they've really paved the way and have been, have been great mentors to me. That's great. Well, any last piece of advice you would give to the agency owners listening, like any thoughts or things that have helped you or that you wish you could have avoided those like big things. You're like, ah, if only someone had told me blank, now's the moment. I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that in those days when my team was small and I only had two or three people and I was growing and I, I think I made the mistake of treating them more as friends and not drawing those clear boundaries mm. of being a boss. And it's so hard. I'm, I'm definitely an empath and I, I want to be close to my team members. But now that we've become a team of eight, I've, I've put that arm's length out and it's, it's really helped me in times where I need that person to give me better results or I need to have a serious talk with them versus yeah. them feeling like, okay, Katie, I, I don't respect you or I'm not going to do this. Cause I know that I know so much about you. And mm. um, so it's, that's been a, that's been a hard lesson. Cause I, I, I want to, I give, I give a lot of my personal self, even on Instagram, I share a lot about me and my struggles and my family. And so then trying to not, 
do that completely. So I still have enough respect for my employees. So I can get the work that I need from them, but also I give them enough where they feel close and driven and they understand the mission of low social media. So it's still a, a difficult balance that I'm struggling with, but I would, you know, tell other agent, other agency owners to, um, I guess I'm, I'm really focused on my team. And I, I think it's now that I'm in a better balance, it's, I've seen a direct result to having a team who's really all in and bought in into our numbers. Yeah, definitely. It's, and it seems like the progression again, is like, all right, when we can get out of the business and work on the business a little bit more, it's really, we get more leverage, but we have to be able to do it through other people. And it's, it's tricky, right? It's a very difficult thing. I was talking to a first time manager that we'd hired and he's like, it's like, I just, I don't know. I just want to do some of the things myself. And I feel like I could get more done myself. It's like maybe at the beginning, but later it, you just get way, way more leverage. So I think that's a great thing to remind other growing agency owners of. Well, absolutely, Katie, if people want to find out more about love social media or follow you, we could have 35,006 followers after this. Yes, podcast. please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how you can how should they get in touch? Yeah, loveyoursocialmedia.com. And we also have an agency page that has more, has now surpassed me, Lance, at 45,000 followers. Oh my so goodness. Like my baby has gone off to college. <laughs> and, you know, so yeah, you can follow our agency at loveyoursocialmedia.com. Nice. Well, Katie, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a joy to hear like the really balanced and still raw perspective of like, here's what it's like to be in the trenches and, and try to get to that next phase. So you're an inspiration to all of us and really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. That means a lot. And for any other agency owners, if you know an agency owner should be on this show or you are an agency owner yourself that should be on the show, we'd love to just hop on, chat with you and release some good content for other people that are in the struggle daily. So you can go to agencyhacker.io and there should be a little link that's come on the show. You can just put in your form, come on if you're a good fit and uh, it'd be fun to meet and fun to talk. Uh, please like, subscribe and share with everybody in your huge social media following. Thanks everybody. It's Lance Johnson, one of the coaches at Agency Hacker. All the best. <laughs>